Thanks for joining us today. This is Kevin Mullins, pastor at Broad River Church, and we're really grateful that you checked us out. If this message has been inspiring to you, we hope that you visit our website at broadriver.church, and you can go to the plan a visit page and see if there's a time that you could visit Broad River Church in person. You also can give at that same webpage, and you can check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Broad River Church. We hope this message is a blessing to you. everybody how are you why don't you turn to somebody close to you and give them a, just a cheeser smile this is what he said in texas a cheeser smile we go like this what's up right cheeser smile we're glad you're here i'd like to invite you uh, to open your bibles to second corinthians chapter 10 i'll say that slower second corinthians chapter 10 page 980 uh, 968 if you're using the blue bibles 968 Always welcome to pull that up on your device there, or if you have your own Bible, it'll also appear on the screens, but we'd love to have you to have it in your own hands. Tenemos traductores al español disponibles. Si usted necesita uno, por favor, levanta su mano. Everybody say, hola, Onan. There he is, all right. My name is uh, Kevin. That's the one, that's the person doing the translation. That's why we said that. My name is Kevin, and if I haven't got a chance to meet you uh, yet, we'll look forward to doing that as soon as our gathering is over here today or sometime soon. So this is summer at Broad River, and over the next five weeks, we're going to just kind of uh, enjoy some different sermons, not necessarily a series, but just enjoying God's Word in the summer, enjoy, enjoying building each other up in our faith. My, my father is going to be here in three weeks uh, from today, will be ministering for, for us at that time, which will be awesome. Uh, you never know, along the way, we might have another guest that pops in here, but I want to talk to you today about something that I think can help you even in the summer. I want to talk to you this morning about the way that you think. Now notice that I didn't say the way that I think and I didn't say the way that we think. I said what? The way that you think. All right, so in case somebody's wondering sometime during the message today, is he talking about me or talking to me? The answer is what? Yes, it is for you. So check it. When you give your heart to Christ, you get a new heart immediately, but you're you don't necessarily get a new mind immediately, okay? So if you give your heart to the Lord on a Wednesday, on Thursday, you still pretty much have the same thinking as you did before. So you're excited, your spirit's on fire, you might have added you know, some new words to your vocabulary, right? You have some new Christianese. You might have some new hashtags that you use, you know, hashtag blessed, hashtag too blessed to be stressed, okay? So you got, you got all the words, you're ready for it. You're glad to know the Lord, but your mind has not been made new yet. So you're glad to know him, but your mind hasn't been made. That's the reason why the scripture says that we are made new through the washing of the water of the word, so that's what we're going to do today. That's how our minds are made do. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, more than I, I usually do. I just want to wash our minds in God's word this morning. So let's read these verses from this early church leader named Paul, and then we're going to jump in. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 says, 
I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. How many of you are thankful for God's word? Amen? Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, you are my rock and my redeemer. I pray that you would speak to all of us today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So let me tell you something pretty wild about being a pastor. And the first, the, the, this is not the wild part, but I, I, I get the chance to, to sit with people regularly and have conversations with them where they really bear their soul. They really let me in. They really let us in. And it's a, it's a privilege. I thank God every day for the calling to be a leader in his church. But that, that's not the wild part. When I say wild, that's not the wild part, although it's an awesome part. The wild part will be sitting across the desk from a woman or a young girl who is struggling with all of these different issues. And when you dig down really deep, you find that she has this core level belief that she is ugly. She thinks she's unattractive. Now, I call it wild because in in philosophy, I have a philosophy major. That was my major in in college. In philosophy, we have different kinds of evidences or different evidence when you are going to make an argument. But one of the strongest types of evidences is called empirical evidence, right? What is empirical evidence? Empirical evidence is evidence that's based on something that you can actually see, Right? This is a very strong type of evidence. It's, it's how we primarily want to convict people of wrongdoing if they, if they go to court. It's based on eyewitness accounts. Right? This is, how many would agree that empirical evidence is really strong, right? So why I say it's wild when I'm sitting across from this woman or young lady and this happens is because the empirical evidence that I have based on what I actually can see is that this is actually a beautiful woman. What I can actually see tells me it's a beautiful young lady, but that's not the way that she feels about herself because that's not the way that she thinks about herself. Do you get this? You kind of said, "Uh uh-huh, like you didn't. So, So I'm sitting across from a talented, accomplished man or a woman. They're doing a lot with their life, right? Doing a lot of good things, making a lot of money. They've started businesses, traveling the world, giving themselves the missions. And they have all of these issues. And I dig down and find out that they don't think that they're good enough. They don't think that they've done enough. And I can provide all the evidence to the contrary. Look at what's happened here. Look at what's happened here. Look at what you accomplished here. But it's not how they feel because it's not the way that they think. Their mindset hasn't changed. A lot of us, we still have the same mindset as before. 
Now, you're gonna have to fill in the blanks on when and where before is, okay? That's, you're gonna have to decide when that is, but we still have the same mindset as we did before. Some of us have seasons where we've grown, and we start thinking according to God's word, but then we slip back. Verse three says this, and this is why it's important. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So even though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Look at verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Somebody say strongholds. This is the Greek word, ohirima. Can we see that? I know they want to they pronounce it, right? Ohirima, strongholds. And if it's translated, there's a couple different translations, but what, what's really strong today for us is one of the translations would mean something like this, a prison of lies, Paul says that we need divine power, somebody say divine power, to destroy a prison of lies. It's the lies I tell me. It's a prison of lies. It's a way that you think that if you could get out of that prison, if you could get out of that way of thinking, you would be free from that stronghold. The primary reason that we have small groups is not because you need something else to do to add your schedule. How many of you are busy? Right? You don't, we don't have small, we're not sitting around as a, as a leadership team said, man, these people are so lazy, they're not doing anything. We gotta find another way to get them out of the house on a weeknight to get over to small groups. That conversation's never happened. Why do, we have, why do we plead with people? Why do we push people? Why do we encourage people to be in a part of a small group? Is because we believe that it is there that you have a really good chance of finding freedom from the strongholds in your life. Yeah. It's there, it's there where your thinking can be challenged and corrected. In this, this prison of lies can be addressed. Some of you have been touched by God, you've been set free by God, but you still think the same way that you did before. Verse five, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every, every thought captive to obey Christ. Everybody that's here today, you came in here so that God's spirit would draw you in to tell you that the pattern of the way that you think is keeping you from going where you could be. You're going to heaven. I'm not talking about going to heaven. If you've given your heart to Jesus, your eternity is secure. You're going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the trip. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I've been a believer for 20 years. Yeah, but it's like one year repeated 20 times. Almost all of you are gonna like me when you leave here today, I promise. Look at what Romans chapter seven, verse 22 says. For I delight, I'm sorry, not Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter 12, there we go. Romans chapter 12, verse two says this. Do not be conformed to this world. So that's the tendency. If things are just left unaddressed, this is the tendency. You're not going to slip your way into growing in Christ. You're not gonna just wake up one day and just be like, oh, I grew in Christ. Uh, I didn't do anything. I, just, I showed up a couple times. Oh, look at, look at, looky there. 
So he said, don't be conformed. That's our trajectory. That's our tendency to stay right there. Don't be conformed, but what? Be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind, that by testing, when your mind is renewed, you can test. You may discern, when you test, you're able to discern what is the will of God. Watch this. What is good and acceptable and perfect. So did you notice there at the end that God's will for your life has a progressive nature to it? It's not just one thing. Man, I'm gonna preach this morning. I'm ready to go. There's only one will of God, but it's progressive. First of all, it's good. Then your mind is renewed, and then it's acceptable, and your mind grows, and then it's perfect. Amen. If any... If any of you ever choose to go to Bible college, you go to a Christian university where it's based on the scriptures and you, you study, studying the scripture, there's gonna be a time where they're gonna teach you about the law of first order. And, and what the law of first order is, is that if you wanna know about the purity of a word, you should go to the first time that it's mentioned in the scripture. If you wanna know the purity about a, a practical thing that the church teaches or preaches, so we call it doctrine, you go back to the first time that it's mentioned, and a lot of times when you're following the rule of first order, the law of first order, you're gonna end up in the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, we can see that mankind fell because of their thinking. Check it, the first man and woman. Listen, these people had the greatest life, y'all. Don't, don't be feeling sorry for Adam and Eve. The Bible says they were with God, not just this wait for it, they were with God in the cool of the day. It wasn't even hot when they were hanging out with God. They were like chilling and there's a little breeze and stuff, right? He says, welcome. It was like paradise, a portal of heaven on earth. They would have never died. They had it made. God says, here it is. Enjoy it. There's only one thing I don't want you to do. I don't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Quick version, there's two trees in the center of the garden. I've already mentioned one of them. One's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other is the tree of what? Life. We need to do a teaching on that here soon. But this is what happens. Here's where the lies start. Here they are. They couldn't have had a better life. But then one day they thought, maybe we don't have everything. By the way, they didn't even know what the everything that they wished that they had was. Maybe, fill in the blank, the lie started. Maybe if we eat from that tree, we can have, they didn't know. But maybe it will go well for us if we do that. And then conveniently timed, there's this serpent that shows up and says, come on, you won't, you won't surely die, right, if you eat from that tree. So now they're having a conversation, the deception starts, the serpent says, look, you're not gonna die, but in fact, if you eat from that tree, what, you'll be more like God. You'll probably have a better relationship with the Lord if you eat from that tree. I'm gonna give you something for free. Everybody say, this is free. Just as an aside, you can be deceived and misled even when people are pointing to scripture and spiritual things as their supports. Well, they were preaching the Bible. Okay. Still be careful. Well, they, they had small groups. Okay. 
still be careful. During a vulnerable day, they eat from the tree. After they eat from the tree, they were separated from God. Now they're living a day, a lie, day in and day out, hiding away from God. The Lord's trying to continue a relationship with them. Like, where are you? And they said, we're over here. And he's like, why are you over there? And they said, because we're hiding. And then they blamed one another. This is what happens after this. He blamed his wife. His wife blamed them. They kind of both blamed God. Adam said, it's, your, it's the woman you gave me. That's the problem going on around here. <laughs> Never a good idea, by the way, guys, all right? So a question for you. Did they become more like God, like the lie said, or did they become more like the serpent? Right? Here's the deal. Satan only has one goal in life from the beginning. By the way, if you're wondering, if this is one of those churches that believes in the devil, yes. Y'all need to hear that because there's a whole bunch of places that you can go now that claim to teach the scripture and they're not gonna tell you that something that's very, very important is that there is an enemy in your life that only has one goal in life from the beginning until now and that is to keep you from growing in your relationship with God. So if I look back on my life, I can see the times where I was in trouble, and it always started with my thinking, the prison of lies. I've mentioned this conversation that I had uh, sometime early in 2010 when someone that I really respected found out that I was going to be pastoring a church. I had been in pastoral ministry, worked on a lot of pastoral staffs, but they found out that we were going to be pursuing to lead a church. It ended up being this church, by the way. We didn't know that at the time. But that guy in this very vulnerable moment said to me, Kevin, he kind of put his head aside. You always know it's probably like, you're gonna be a lead pastor, he said. He said, I mean, I mean, you're talented and all, but, and then he gave me three reasons why I just wasn't cut out for it. Somebody that I respected. Now, never mind that it's the only thing that I could ever remember wanting to do. Never mind that multiple people, faithful people of God for all of my life and through Jacinta's life, multiple teachers and preachers and pastors have prophesied over Jacinta and I saying this is the calling that God has for us. Never mind that I can't ever remember even choosing to be a pastor, which is one way I distinguish between calling and choosing, but he basically said, Kevin, it's, it's, not, it's not for you. Never mind all that other stuff. Now, he was wrong. But I lived in that prison for probably four or five years in my thinking. Even after I was pastoring this church, it would just come back to me. What, every time something didn't go good here at the church, every time we were expecting 111 showed up. Right, every time that, that we started the nine o'clock service and there were four people there. <laughs> I, I would think, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess things up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in trouble. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt a lot of people. I'm going to mess up my family. Being in that prison, in that way of thinking, listen, it's like you live there. I love this verse, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. You have that keep your heart, it says, with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. 
What lies you tell me, lies I tell me, what they do is they get you to stare at the storm and stare at the pain, but God wants you to stare at the blessing and just take a passing glance at the storm. This is his intention, to just glance at the storm and stare at the blessing. So how do we move to that way of thinking? How do we escape the prison of lies? I want you to write a few things down on your Connect card there. If we're gonna escape this prison of lies, number one, we need to remember that my thoughts control my life. Leave that up there for a minute. Proverbs 23, seven says, as a man thinks, or as a woman thinks, so is he, so is she. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me ask this question. Uh, how many of you really like Reese's peanut butter cups? Right? Yeah. God made these things, y'all. Come on now. I just want to be clear. If you're a nut, you should still eat these because you're still going to die. <laughs> Let me just be really clear. The only difference between you and me is that you're going to show up to heaven with a nasty taste in your mouth, and I'm going to show up with peanut butter residue, okay? So here's what I, 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 what I need you to know is I can't eat them because I'm trying to watch how I eat and also because if I eat one of them, I'm going to eat about 30. So I just try to avoid them. Here's what I learned. So I'll give you an idea. So I have some, I'll have some up in my office and uh, so I might grab one. I want you to know the, 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 where, where I'm at. This is the identifying with the pastor part of the sermon, Okay. So I got that Reese's peanut butter cup and I, I take it out the door as I'm leaving to go home and I get to the parking lot and I eat that peanut butter cup and I finish it. And I'm very likely to get out of my car, come back upstairs <laughs> and get another one. Another one. <laughs> I got that one in, Mike, right? DJ Khaled. Okay, good. Uh, so also I might take one and get it and eat it and be about a half mile away from the church. And I might turn around and come back. <laughs> and get it. So what I've learned is if I get about a mile to a mile and a half away, like I'm almost home, I'm probably not going to come back. So that's kind of the pattern. that. I'm, so you might ask them, they're in my office, you might ask them, well, why don't you just take them out of your office? A good question. I'll tell you why. Because I like looking at them. I just like looking over at them and seeing them, okay? This is the way it is with lies that we think they become friends to us. The lies that we think become friends to us. Think about it. The, the instincts that you have for arguing and fighting with others. All of you have fighting and arguing instincts. You get into conflict and confrontation at home. Your fighting instinct becomes a friend to you. So maybe your fighting instinct in, in conflict is to yell at somebody. Maybe your conflict, uh, your fighting instinct is to put up a wall. Maybe your fighting instinct is to run out of the house and leave. Maybe your fighting instinct is to manipulate. Somebody said, my fighting instinct is to yell, to put up a wall, to run out of the house and manipulate. <laughs> 
We get too friendly with our old ways of thinking. They become friends to us, and God wants us to change. Some of you, because of your thoughts, you don't know where you're going, so you don't know where to aim. You can see that God cares a lot about our thoughts. If we look in, in, in the scriptures, even early on in the book of Genesis, it says that God saw the evil of mankind. This is right before he destroys the, the earth with the flood, Noah, and all of that. It, but it, it says, it didn't see, the Bible says it didn't, he didn't see them doing evil things. It says he saw them thinking evil things. I want to ask you this morning, how are your thoughts going? The mind is the battleground for sin. We think that temptation is something that's out there, but it's actually with us. We try to compartmentalize our sin, but it goes with us in the way that we think. So an example, like if you're addicted to pornography, you may fall with pornography, and then you try to leave it. You try not to think about it. You think it's over there. You think it's something that you did, but it's still in your thinking. It's with you. It doesn't stop and stay over there. It's in the way that you think. That's why the scripture says the way that you think, what you think about is what you will do. My thoughts control my life. Somebody say, my thoughts control my life. Look at Romans chapter seven, verse 22. Paul says this, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. I love Paul because he was so strong, but he admits to this in Romans chapter seven. By the way, he admits to this in Romans chapter 7, just after he finishes Romans chapter 6, one of the masterpieces in the entire scripture where he's talking in Romans chapter 6 about being dead to sin. He says this in Romans chapter 6, I'm dead to sin. Romans chapter 7, he's talking about how there's this other law at work trying to make him a prisoner. Do you see that this other law at work trying to make him a prisoner happens after he said that he is dead to sin? This is big. In Romans chapter seven, he reminds me of me. He says, I wanna do good, I wanna serve God, but it's the evil that I don't want to do that I keep on doing. Every time I wanna do what's good, it's what I don't wanna do that I keep on doing. I wanna do this, but I keep doing what I don't want to do. So he says in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Immediately the answer, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ha. Huh. The Spirit of God, and you have to read all through this to see this, but the Spirit of God knows where you're weak, and that's the reason why the Bible talks so much about the way that you think. There's some great news here in Romans chapter eight. If you read ahead, you can do it. You can check it out on your own time. The great news is your thoughts can be reset by the Spirit of God. If you go ahead in Romans chapter eight, you'll see that. But here's, here's what it says. Everybody, everybody look up here for a minute because I, I, it's not gonna be on the screens. I just want you to hear it. It says this in Romans eight. Those that have their mind set on the spirit of God are pleasing to God and those that have their mind set on the things of the world cannot please God. In fact, they cannot grow. Ouch. While I'm in the good news category, let me tell you something that I've learned throughout the years and this is really good news. 
The first one's good news. The first, second one you're gonna have to think about. The first one is really good news. Somebody, it's the only thing that you need to hear when you came in here today. Your enemy does not have the ability to control your thoughts. Now, watch this, watch this. Interestingly enough, God does have the ability to control your thoughts, but he has chosen to not control your thoughts. So you are the gatekeeper of your thoughts. You need to get this this morning, whether you're younger or older. There's some young people in this room that need to get this, some older people in this room that need to get this. You are as strong in God as you want to be. I am not in great physical shape right now, but I want you to hear me this morning. I am as in good of shape as I want to be. I go to the gym twice a year whether I need it or not. We're laughing, but I want you to get this. I am as strong physically as I want to be, and I am as strong spiritually as I really want to be. Why? Because I'm the gatekeeper of my thoughts. A lot of us, we get comfortable with a pattern. That's, that's why I read these verses for moments. It's a pattern of the world. So how do you get out of this? And we're gonna to move to the second one, but first of all, how, how do you get out of this pattern of thinking? First of all, you need to feed your mind on truth. This is how you renew your thoughts. You have a lot of lies. You're gonna eat a lot of truth. This is submitting to the word of God. Psalm chapter one says, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scorners, or, or, or uh, seat of the scorner, scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like the tree that is planted by the rivers of water that, that, that yields its fruit in its seasons. Its, its leaf doesn't wither and everything that he does shall prosper. Why do we love the Bible so much in this church? Why do we put out a, a new soap guide, which was available to you as you're walking out the door? Make sure you get August's soap guide. It's a good one. This is a really good soap guide. I want everybody to sink into this. The, the reason why we, we prop this up is in the Library of Congress, there is every book basically ever. Library of Congress, they have 29 million books. 530 miles of bookshelves. And every book that you read in that library has one thing in common except the Bible. Every book that you read in that library, you're going to read it. That's the way that it works. The Bible is the only one in the Library of Congress that's going to read you. I just want to tell you that the word of God is sharp. It's powerful. It has the desire to set you free. The Bible never says you're not going to find a verse that says the truth shall set you free. You thought that was in the Bible. It doesn't say that. The verse says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Do you see the difference? This is for everybody. I don't care where you are, I don't care what mistakes you've made, I don't care how many times you've made, you feel like you're just making a lap around the wilderness, the word of God is for you. Here's the second thing. If we're gonna escape the prison of lies, I must take my thoughts captive. I must take my thoughts captive. Somebody write that down. Here's a quick assessment about how you're doing in taking your thoughts captive. You have that assessment up there, just throw that up there. First of all, how are you doing with negativity? Some of you are, are just too negative. 
right? Well, life's never gonna get at me better. God doesn't love me. Everybody's mean to me. My kids aren't, uh, aren't treated fairly. I have the gift of giving. Everybody else has the gift of taking, right? I asked God to use me and all he decided to do was use me up instead. Here's the trajectory of negativity. I'm not condemning you because I've been here myself. Well, if I just had a new city to live in, if I had a better husband, if I had a different wife, if I had a different church, if I had another job, but the problem is nothing is going to change because when you get there, your thinking goes with you. That's the reason why the Lord spends a lot of time trying to renew your thoughts. Secondly, how are you doing being, with being fearful? How are you doing with fear? Everybody say fearful. It's the most perpetual and recurring topic Everybody that deals with young and old, I, I find a, a younger generation now, and I'm not looking at anybody, that people that, that are so fearful to actually just have a conversation with somebody of the opposite sex. Now, when I was young, we didn't have this problem. <laughs> but I'm talking about people who will introduce themselves via text, start dating via text, Break up via text. And I'm saying, bro, just walk across the room. They're right over there. Y'all aren't getting this, but I'm, I'm talking about fear right now, okay? People choosing majors in college, young people choosing majors in college, not choosing the major that they actually feel called to, that they really want to do, choosing something else that they're going to end up hating because they're fearful of what will happen if they actually choose the major they feel called to all the time. What if I, people here in this room that God has given you an idea, a business idea, but you won't try it because your thinking won't let you get there. What if I fail? What if I get rejected? Some of you that used to walk with, in relationship with people and even shared conversations with them, even conversations of faith, they were your friends, but something happened and knocked them away from you. And now all it would take right now is one phone call to restore that relationship. You could actually have them back in your life, but your thinking will not let you make that call. I just want to encourage you, don't be afraid. I, I never understood the what I felt irrational fears that my mom and dad had about me when I was young. And then I had kids. And I really never had much fear, but until they got their driver's licenses. And they, they first started walking out the door and I realized they're going out there by themselves and they're gonna be out there on the roads. And, and I won't even tell you what I was thinking, but I'd run after them. I find myself running after them. Be careful, slow down, wear your seatbelt, text me. No, 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 don't text me, right? Don't text me. <laughs> and somewhere along the line, I realized my thinking was trying to take me down. And here's, here's a prayer. I wanna give you an example of a prayer to pray in that situation. Just going back into your room and getting on your knees and saying, Lord, something could happen to my kids one day, but I don't wanna live my life now like it's already happened. So would you, Lord, would you be with me in this moment? Would you renew my thoughts? Lord, set me free from that. Find some scriptures to stand on. We're doing an assessment. How are you doing with being critical? I wish I was married. I wish I wasn't married. <laughs> I wish my husband was more like somebody else. I wish I had kids. I wish I had different kids. Some of you hear about this church, right? Music is too long at our church. Music lasts too long at our church. Music's not loud enough at our church. Music doesn't last long enough at our church. It's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. Who is this preacher? I like the guy better from last week, right? How are you doing with being critical? Uh, I, I, I heard this story 
I wrote this down about, uh, if you study the life of a hummingbird and a vulture, you find out that they, a hummingbird and a vulture, they both get up all day looking for something. All day long, they go around looking for something, both of them. A hummingbird spends all day long looking for something sweet, nectar. And all day long, a hummingbird finds it. A vulture all day long looks for something dead. And all day long, they find it. What are you looking for? Are you looking for things that are sweet? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's the third thing I need to do to change my thinking. Number three, I must remember how amazing his will is for my life. I said earlier that Adam and Eve, they had it made. But you know who else had it made is these 12 original disciples, right? They were with Jesus and they could never understand exactly what he was trying to say. Then one day Jesus dies and all of a sudden they all simultaneously go into this depression. Their thinking shifted. They started thinking that their, their best days were behind them. I don't really have a chance to succeed now. I don't really have a chance at joy now. Why? Because Jesus is gone. And now there's a group of them, not all of them, that are now walking down the road one day to a place called Emmaus. They're walking down this road and they're sad and they're heavy hearted. I just want you to get what happened here and then we're gonna stand and pray together. They were so sad that Jesus literally walks up to them and starts speaking to them after he rises from the dead. He sees them, he walks up to them and starts speaking to them, but their thinking had shifted so much that when they moved over to let Jesus in the group, they didn't even recognize who he was. This is how messed up their thinking was. There are some people here today that because of your thinking, you can no longer even recognize where the Lord is at and what he is working on. Jesus walks right over to them and they're just so defeated. He's risen from the dead. He's there with them. He walks over, kind of taps them on the back and says, hey, why are you so sad? And they kind of look at him like, man, are you the only pe person in all of Israel that don't know, doesn't know what's happening right now? Don't you read the news? But the Bible says they stayed in conversation with him, Right? The Bible says the good news for them is they just stayed in conversation. They stayed and, and his words just kind of started washing over them. They just communed with him. Even though they didn't know it was him, they started receiving his words. Then later on, it says they were eating with him. And the Bible says that in that moment, their eyes were opened and they noticed that it was Jesus that was with them the entire time. I just want to tell you for some people that maybe haven't been recognizing everything that God's been trying to do in your life, this morning is not about condemnation. This morning is about letting you know that Jesus is madly in love with you and he wants you to see, I've got you. I've been here the whole time, but you're going to have to let me change the way that you think because I've got big plans for you, but I need you to believe it. This is God's word to you today. Let's pray together.